Let's pray together. Gracious God, having heard your scriptures proclaimed, we continue to seek a word from you. Help us be those who never stop listening and those who never stop wondering. And may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. Well, as a family, one of the things that we always do is try to figure out a tradition around our table. If you've eaten dinner with us at our house, one of the things that you know is that we always begin our meal with saying what we're thankful for. So everyone goes around the table, and if you want dessert, you got to say at least one thing. I mean, it can even be like the dog sitting next to you waiting for the food that you don't like in front of you, right? You know, just to be handed down. As long as you're thankful for one thing, we're good, and then we pray together. After that is kind of the, the rotating tradition of figuring out the best way to kind of talk around the table. And so we've done things like, would you rather, you know, would you rather go skydiving or snorkeling or scuba diving? Or we've also done guess the movie or guess the character from the movie. You know, we've done all sorts of different things. But recently, Ashley, uh, my wife, Ashley, she shops mostly with what shows up in her Facebook feed. So like as she's in Facebook, something will show up. She'll be like, oh, that's really interesting. And so she buys it. And one of the things she bought was this family table talk thing. And so it has these cards that open up all these random stuff, either to get to know you, like a little bit more about your personality or like what's your favorite memory as a family. Well, earlier this week, one of the things that came up that's pertinent to our scripture reading this morning, which is why I'm bringing it up, is a card that said, where are you and when are you? What, uh, like, when are you when you have the best thoughts? Like, when you come up with the best ideas, where and when are you when you come up with the best ideas? I want you to pause for a minute and just think about just where you are and where. For me, I'm on my run, right? I know I get my best ideas and most clarity on the run. Some shower, some car, some perhaps when you're meditating in the morning. But one of the things that I found was interesting as I was reflecting on that was this kind of common assumption it is sometimes of people that are, have just really brilliant ideas. You know, there's some people that just come up with something new and like all innovative and they make millions of dollars on this random thing that you can sell on Amazon or someone that's just like brilliant and they teach in a university or something. One of the assumptions that we have is that, you know, they just are in a particular place and a particular time and they have what we call an epiphany, right? This idea, that's what we're talking about today. This epiphany, it kind of comes into our minds and it sparks up something new. It kind of like Looney Tunes, you know, the light bulb that would bright up up next to the character that they came up with this idea kind of out of nowhere and it pops into their head. And then now they know how to create something amazing or how to engage with the people around them and have really intellectual and thoughtful things to say. And when we think about scripture, I think, we think about it often in a similar manner, right? You have all these biblical characters and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these angels pop up and say, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And then this angel pops up and says, Joseph, stay with Mary. And then you have these like moments that seem almost kind of out of nowhere and somewhat ecstatic or, you know, like kind of fantastical, right? Like that they just pop into our lives. But what I love about the Magi and this concept of Epiphany Sunday, where we celebrate the Magi coming and giving the gifts to Jesus, is that it couldn't be farther from the truth. And in fact, the idea of an epiphany of a light bulb popping up into people's heads and all of a sudden they have these brilliant ideas, I think is just a complete common 
fallacy, right? I don't know any intellectual that I know that I say, oh, they're just so smart, that doesn't read a thousand times more books than I do, right? You know, or doesn't spend time over and over again investing in the craft, right? That the people that come up with ideas oftentimes have done trial one, it failed, trial two, it wasn't marketable, trial three, well, they finally got some traction, and then they're on like their fifth trial before something is actually worth noting of. So inventors, intellectuals, and even the people that have these great ideas, even yourself when you have those ideas, they're almost always rooted in something. They're rooted in something. I think when we look at the Bible, oftentimes it seems like this foreign place because you have these angels and God in the booming voice speaking to people. But for the Magi, it wasn't that. The Magi were some characters who carefully watched the sky day in and day out. They would reflect on the cosmos they would find themselves not just there, but also studying scriptures because it seemed that they had known about the Messiah who is to be born in Jerusalem. So somehow these characters that we know nothing about know both the, the world around them in, in, in detail, and they also know this ancient Hebrew texts in detail as well. They spent hours contemplating until finally, finally, they see a star in the sky different than the star on most nights. They were aware of what was around them, and it was the awareness and their knowledge of the Scripture that began to lead them to the Christ child. Because that, in fact, is the other meaning of the word epiphany, which I like a lot more. You have epiphany as in the light bulb, this idea that comes into our head, and then you have the other meaning of epiphany, which is the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. The manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, of Christ coming to those places. I often hear as a pastor a couple things. Um, one is that sometimes people think that when you walk into a church, you have to check your head in at the door, you know, like, so you can't think or your brain in at the door. So when you come into the church, you come in to be spoon-fed what to think and believe, and they wonder where there is for, like, questions and doubts because, you know, they hear all of the answers. And, and that might not be you, but it's something that I, I hear when I tell people because I'm unavoidably Christian in public, right? You know, because people will ask me, like, what do you do? And then I say, well, I'm a pastor. And then conversations change, right? And then one of the things that happens is all of the, like, baggage that they might have with the church just kind of, like, comes up, right, sometimes. Sometimes they just ignore me altogether and saying, you know, kind of go their other way. But other times they're like, oh, I don't know what to do about church. I mean, they make you, like, they just tell you what you're supposed to believe and they, you check your head in at the door, right? I've heard it a lot. I've heard it a lot. But one of the things that I kind of fell, for me, I fell into the Methodist tradition is that that's not the case with our tradition. In fact, we believe that there is a healthy balance with how we approach hearing God in the world, hearing God in the world. And that is, for some of us, we know, we've heard me say, if you've been through a membership class, it's the Wesleyan quadrilateral, super fancy word, right? The idea is that we believe that scripture is important. But we don't stop there, and we think that it's also important to use tradition, because tradition has meaningful things to say about how we understand Scripture and how we understand God. 
But we also have our experiences and the experiences of others that we take into consideration. And then lastly, and I think just as important, is reason. Well, reason is the logical capacity that God has given us to study the world around us. And if any one of those pieces is missing all together, I think our interpretation of God speaking is lacking. And that's not to say that at some times different pieces are wrong and misguided. Certainly my own experiences are just that, my own experiences. But they, should ought, to be, they ought to be taken into account. One of the greatest failings, I think, of the church over the millennia is this reason side and forgetting it's an important piece of the puzzle. I don't know about you, but in fact, if you have learned any, or know about church history and some of the past, some of the greatest conflicts within the church came with the greatest insights within science and within the understanding of the world around us. The idea that no longer was the world this like floating disk on a watery surface that has mountains that hold back this other watery surface because there's water above because it's blue and it leaks on you during the day, right? And that you're floating on this disk and below it is this kind of amorphous chaos. Well, that was their understanding. It was like a snow globe. The world lived in a snow globe. And so you could imagine when people had the audacity to say the world is not flat, that contradicted everything they knew about the Bible. When we decided that we were not the center of the universe, that the sun didn't revolve around us, but in fact that we were a piece of the puzzle, the clerics and the churchgoers and the normal people that have been told their whole lives that the humanity is the pinnacle of all creation now questioned their place in the universe. And they, they, they questioned the dangerous logic of those scientists. Similarly, when we started to wonder about the different changes in animals that had taken place and the similarities within species and noticed that maybe, just maybe, all creatures weren't created with a snap of God's finger in a moment, but that they were created over millennia, dangerous theology that we must not listen to. And we laugh and we chuckle because, you know, it, it just kind of seems silly nowadays. But I think that for us, the question that I have for me, and I look at some of the scripture is, do I approach scripture and approach God with the wonder necessary to not fall into the very same traps of the past? And let, and let me unpack that for a moment. I, I know that many of us... Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways in which we approach our faith. And one of the mantras that I, or one of the things I've heard from some people is why they're not in church with us these days as of late. It's because they've been to church for the past 20 years. And what else is there to learn with our faith, right? I know the stories of Christmas. I know the story of Epiphany. I know the story of the New Testament. And then for other of us, we might be in the room and be like, I don't know any of those, Pastor. I, like, I have no idea about any of those. And it's, in fact, the people that I think that have no idea when they come can add the most to any faithful conversation because they ask the questions that they think everyone knows the answers to. They, they ask the questions that they think everyone knows 
the answer to. When they hear Jesus say something crazy, they ask, why did Jesus say something that seems kind of crazy, right? When they read the, New, the Old Testament and the story of creation, they say to us very plainly, well, that doesn't make any sense because it took millions and millions of years, not seven days, to make all of creation. And the wonder that people that are new to the faith, that bring to the faith, I think is a wonder that encourages all of us to stop asking the questions. And as I look at the text today, it's a text I've, I've preached on. I mean, it's, I'm going on 10 years and preaching, pastor, right? We preach on it every single year. What else is there to say on this? But I bet if you know, back to the person that's super intellectual that you can think of, the person that, you know, comes up with all these ideas is that they're a person that probably never stops thinking of new ideas, right? That they continue to explore, continue to read the new books, continue to ask the questions. The greatest scientists, the greatest theologians, the greatest artists, the greatest craftsmen are, and women are always trying to ask, how do we do this anew? And so you might find yourself in two different places. You might find yourself not knowing any of the scripture or on the other camp and being like, I've heard these stories all the time. Well, I promise you that every time I come to the text, I come to it anew and something new comes out. Something that I hadn't seen before. And this year, as I looked at the Magi and I read the story and I contemplated and I thought, what brought them there? It was this healthy sense of wonder in the world. That here these people were super knowledgeable. I look up in the sky and I see all sorts of things and I say to myself, I have no idea what's up there. Is that a planet or is that a, you know, oh, it's a satellite, it's moving, right? No, or the, it's a plane, right? I don't understand any of it. They knew enough to know when a new star came. And they knew the scriptures enough to connect the dots between the star and the scriptures, and yet they still wondered, and they still wandered to the Christ child. And as we move into this new year, as we move into going in our faith and trying to enrich our faith, I wonder if we just are going through the motions, or if we've been there, done that, or if we're coming expecting to hear something new. If we're coming expecting for God to speak in a unique way. I had someone uh, that asked me, I, I'd randomly, um, they were trying to teach their grandson uh, how to pray. And their grandson talked about needing God's help. And the grandma said, if you just pray for, to God, God will help you. And so the grandson says, you know, this is my problem and this is what, you know, I'm dealing with. And the grandma was overwhelmed by the problem, <laughs> right? Is there something, uh, it was a, a student that was differently abled and the student goes, well, grandma, I, I really want to listen in class, right? I really want to listen in class, but I just am not able to do it. So will God help me do that, right? Will God help me do that? And as a grandma, you want to say yes, right? Yes. But you know that like, that's, there's a lot there, right? To unpack. She goes, what, what, do I, what should I say? What should I say? And I was like, I, there are no good answers. But one of the things you can say 
is that God speaks to us through community. So inviting that student to share the challenge with other loved ones brings them into the conversation to support one another and to know our insecurities. And I say that because if God speaks to us through community, look around, there's new faces that you don't know. An opportunity for God to speak. There's scriptures and songs that we've sung of old, and we're just coming on the tail end of the ones that we retell every year, day in and day out, or year in and year out. And God is waiting to speak to us anew. And so I want to invite you, whether you're new or whether you've been around in your faith for a long time, to come like the Magi with a world, you know, worldview full of wonder at the mystery of God. Because, friends, we're learning new things about our bodies, new things about the cosmos, new things about how we relate to each other every day. And as we learn new God can speak something new through that as well. And next week, we're going to start a sermon series on the good life. And it's a sermon series focusing on the Beatitudes, which is uh, one of the most famous portions of Jesus' most famous sermon time, the Sermon on the Mount, where he unfolds the life of blessed are, happy are those who dot, dot, dot. But I want to invite us to explore the words together and to go beyond that in our own faith. And perhaps if you think that you know everything, take time to open yourself for God to speak something new to you. And friends, if you find yourself on the other side, new to coming to Scripture, feeling like you have all the questions that everyone else has the answers to, I'll tell you what, I've been through a few years of higher education around the Bible and theology. And what I can tell you is that the more years that you study, the more you realize how much you don't know. I can come up with lots of answers and responses that ultimately lead us to the greatest mysteries of life, right? I don't know all the answers. And so if you're here and you think to yourself, I don't know the answers, and I, I, can I ask them in, in public, your questions help us go deeper. They remind us of the wonder that's there. So my prayer for each of us is that we take each step with this awareness of God in the world around us, open to ways that God is going to speak anew in this new year with new community friends, with old scripture stories, God is waiting to speak, to show oneself. And you know the way it's not going to happen? Light bulb <laughs> out of nowhere. We must give ourselves to this. We must blow the dust off the Bible. We must open our mouths to ask our neighbors and our, our friends. Let's do the work so that God might speak. And as we hear God speak, we'll recognize the mystery and the awe that is the one who loves us and who gives himself to us or gives God's self to us in Jesus. I invite you to pray with me.
Holy and gracious God, we give thanks that you are full of new things. You're both making things new and so beyond our understanding that we would never be able to fathom the mysteries that you've implanted within us and the world around us. As we move throughout the new year, we pray that you might continue to speak to us and we might find ourselves, like the Magi, ready and willing to explore the mystery and majesty that is you and the gift of your presence with us in Jesus. And as we recognize all the ways in which the mystery of your love unfolds, we also see places in the world where there's hardship and there's famine and it's hard to even think about the mysteries because you're overwhelmed with the pain of the circumstances. And so we pray for the world and all of its people. We also pray for the earth and the mysteries of it that we would never stop diligently exploring the craftiness of all that you have made. And that we might learn, learn to partner and to grow with all of creation. We pray for our nation and its people As we move into a new year, that you might find new ways for us to be one together, to work toward, towards alleviating violence and disparities that exist among us, and for your peace to be on earth with us. And for our local community, we pray that we might continue to learn about this land, the people of this land, the stories to be told. Whether we've been here for 50 years or for three months. And that in our mutual learning, our mutual growing, we might be able to care for one another and for the land in new ways. And for our local church, we pray. For our United Methodist Church and our new bishop is being installed this week. For our district superintendent that guides our Hawaii district and for our local church, our new leaders that are stepping into leadership positions, our volunteers, and for all of us that gather, we pray. And we also pray that for those that are near to our hearts, those that have died, those that are struggling with ailments, and those that need our prayers. And we think specifically of Carol Kessler, the wife of pastor here uh, who passed away the end of November. And for all those that are on our hearts, we pray.
And we lift these prayers up to you in trust of your love and care. And it's in your son Jesus' name. Amen.